time, and he's a player that has not had um, the best playoff experiences under his time in Portland, and he's a player that everybody, every fan would love to see get a ring, not only because he's a he's a heck of a player, um, but he's been in Portland for so long, he's dedicated a lot of his career to that city and that team, he's been loyal to the franchise of the Trailblazers, and for him to have a seventy-one point performance, um, you know, in last in the other, you know, in last night's game against the Houston Rockets, I I, I think it's just, um, you know, a career milestone for him um, in that franchise. And it was just really telling telling the performance that he had. Man, I I, w- I would like to see the Trailblazers go on a nice little run this year. Absolutely, and you mentioned Houston. Boy, I feel bad for the Rockets. They've been Houston. We have a problem. They've just been getting destroyed by. You mentioned just about everybody they've gone up against this season. I mean, you look at some of the uh, some of the performances they've given up this season. Obviously, seventy one to Dame. Luka Doncic dropped fifty on them. Lowry Markkinen, John Morant both dropped forty nine on them. LeBron James forty eight. Handful of players at forty four. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Edwards, the best point guard in the NBA. <laughs> Just kidding. Trey Young only slightly kidding. Shea Gilgis Alexander forty two. Clay Thompson forty two. Clay Thompson forty one. Devin Booker forty one. Tyler Hero forty one. So they just been going through it this season. But you know, even against the Houston Rockets, I mean, you don't just do that by accident and. It was a uh, a record-setting performance in multiple facets for Damian Lillard. That was the first 70-point game in NBA history in under 40 minutes played. Fewest free-throw attempts in a 70-point game. First 70-point game with 10 or more made threes. Highest true shooting percentage in a 70-point game. The oldest player to ever reach 70 points in a game. Like, Dame has just been... He was incredible last night, and he's been incredible really since the start of the calendar year. I mean, you look at his last 12 games, you know, he had the 71 points, obviously. He had 39 points, 40, 38, a 33-point triple-double to go along with 10 boards and 11 assists, 28 points, 40 points, 29 points, 42 points, 42 points again, and 10 assists, and then 30 points. You look at the most points scored in the NBA since January 1st, Damian Lillard leads the league with 880, and then the next closest is Jalen Brunson, just about 200 points behind, 687 points. So, man, Dame has just been on an absolute heater lately. And just in the month of February alone, as I alluded to earlier, he's averaging 40 points a game, 6 rebounds, 7 assists on 50-42-96 splits. I mean, that's just, that is simply ridiculous. And hopefully uh, Portland's able to do something. They're rallying right now. They're you know, in the uh, on the outside looking into the playing tournament, they're one game behind the 10 seed New Orleans Pelicans. So, you know, it'd be nice to see them get into the playoffs if they get there. I don't imagine they'd be able to do much, but because uh, that's just been the way it is for Portland. You know, in Damian Lillard's entire career there, but boy, you just what else can you say, man? Dame, we were just talking about him the other day, coming off that three point contest win. You know, one of the most underrated perhaps players in history could go down as a phenomenal score i mean what can what else can you say about the guy he's just he's he's different yeah and it's kind of surprising to me that you know portland hasn't been able to try to pair lillard up um with another star i know cj mccollum was there for a very good amount of years but he's not exactly a second star he's had moments that he was uh you know, a really good number two guy to pair next to Lillard. But 
I, you know, I'm surprised with, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving and, and, and Kevin Durant um, out there this year and just even in the past, um, you know, free agents like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and all these other, other superstar uh, type of players. You know, Portland was not able to just attract one of them, you know, at any given time. And you see, you see all these teams around the NBA uh, going to get a number two guy, uh, like a one A one B, to pair up with their with their star forward or guard. Um, but Portland has just not been able to do that, and you kind of just feel bad for Damian Lillard at a point in time because Damian Lillard could easily just say, "I'm done with this. I've had enough. I'm out." He could go anywhere he wants. I mean, it's it's Damian freaking Lillard. Like Damian Lillard can just say, "I want to go play for um, oh, Milwaukee." I like, before Chris Paul got to the Suns, he could have said, "I want to go to the Suns and you know play with Booker," or "I want to go play in L.A." He could easily do that, and, and teams would be interested because it's Dame Dalla, it is Damian Lillard, but he's committed himself to that franchise. Um, you know, for over a decade, and it just kind of seems the Trailblazers really haven't given anything back to him. Um, and, you know, him giving this performance, he, he like he gives it all to that city. He gives it to the fans. He gives it to the team and, and his teammates himself and just the entire city. But it just seems like Portland just won't give anything back to him except, you know, a nice little contract. Yep, you're uh, you're right about that. No doubt about it. Just a uh, a couple more things to uh, add to that. Um, let's see, Damian Lillard now has more 60 point games in his career than Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Shaq, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, and Kevin Durant combined. He's just he's just different. He's now one of four players with a 75-5 game in NBA history, is in 70 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Himself, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and David Robinson. And speaking of Donovan Mitchell, this is the first season in NBA history where there's been multiple players to record a 70-point game. Lillard, also now the only player in NBA history to have a game with 60-plus points and 10-plus made threes. He's done that twice now, and... uh, Got to find a way to bring Ben Simmons into this. The meme of the NBA. His his last 14 games, he has a combined 70 points. And Lillard, in one game, in 39 minutes, dropped 71. Now, next order of business from this wild NBA weekend. How about the L.A. Lakers coming back from down 27 to beat the Dallas Mavericks? The, the first time this season that a team had come uh, come from down 27 to win, and the Lakers, they're on a three-game winning streak. I call it the uh, the Mo Bamba effect. They're now undefeated with Mo Bamba. And meanwhile, for the Dallas Mavericks, they are 1-3 with Luka and Kyrie as a duo, and that one win came against the San Antonio Spurs, who are currently on a 16-game losing streak. So the early returns on that trade not looking great, but meanwhile, things trending in the right direction for the Los Angeles Lakers. They're currently the 12th seed in the Western Conference there, right behind Portland, a game or two out of the play-in tournament. Yeah, the LA Lakers have been playing much better as of late, and you know, they they made some moves to uh, strengthen their squad, obviously, getting D'Angelo Russell back, I think was a big thing, uh, you know, for the Lakers. Um, and not only that, Anthony Davis is stepping up. 
LeBron still being LeBron and, and just some of the role players um, you know, are, are playing their role and, and they're stepping up big time, whether that's Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, Jared Vanderbilt. You need those types of guys to you know, give you 8 to 12 to 15 points a night consistently if you, if you want to make a run. And they've been doing that over the last few games. You mentioned they're on a three-game winning streak right now. They're the 12th seed in the NBA Western Conference. Actually, funny enough, <laughs> we're just right behind Portland, a team we were talking about just a few moments ago. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to try to pass Portland, pass the Pelicans just to get into the play-in and then potentially find their way up with the Jazz or Golden State, they're going to have to pull more than just three wins. It's going to have to be winning five of your next six, winning seven of your next nine. You're going to be wanting to win um, you know, 80% of your games in a 10-game stretch. You want to do those sort of things consistently because the way the Western Conference is stacked up, outside of the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Kings, the 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 seed are all within four games of one another. The Lakers are not too far back. The Lakers are only six games outside of the four seed. Six games outside of a four seed. They are two games outside of the eighth seed as the 12th seed. The Western Conference is super tight this year. So what I'm saying is, if the Lakers go hot on a run with eight of ten wins, in eight eight wins in ten games, and you're consistently seeing the Western Conference with other teams, you know, in six games they're going three for three. The Lakers can easily climb their way up, and they're building momentum right now. And it, it's honestly the perfect time to start building momentum. You know, LeBron James is starting, you know, get on the court more, and he's getting a little healthier, and um, you know he's playing he's playing a little bit better as well. Anthony Davis, same thing, bringing back Russell Schroeder. Reeves like these guys need to step up and and they're doing that right now and they're on a three-game winning streak and if they can keep this momentum going in the west stays it like it is like teams are going 500 they're not really ascending past 500 they're only a game or two above it game or two above it the Lakers have a legit shot to um, get themselves back into the western conference playoff race yes sir yes sir now the next next thing, the Kings and the Clippers on, it was the 24th of February, played the second highest scoring game in NBA history. Double overtime, Kings came out with the victory, 176 to 175. I mean, first off, I'll just say it's nice to see the Sacramento Kings good again. I have a buddy back home that's a Kings fan, and I just felt so bad for him over the years. Just horrific drafting. I mean, you look at guys like Ben McLemore, Thomas Robinson, just a really rough stretch there for the Kings in that regard. Obviously drafting Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic, but they've got things figured out now. They're currently the third seed in the Western Conference. They're on track to break you know, their playoff drought, however long it's been. So I'll just start off with that, saying it's great to see Sacramento good again. The NBA's better when the Kings are good. Yeah, I mean, the Sacramento Kings have been doing an outstanding job this season, and, and, I, and I really think um, a big part of that is obviously Sabonis, the season that he's having. Um, and obviously, you know, they got an overall good squad. Darren Fox, Harrison Barnes, some other guys, you know, Kevin Herter, I know. 
Hawks he's, legend. Yeah, he, he is your guy, Tanner. Hmm. But they don't have what you would call a superstar player, I guess. I mean, you can you can consider Sabonis, you know, close to that quote-unquote superstar um, type level of a player, but overall, they just have a bunch of guys that click with each other that are playing really well. They're young, they're hungry, they're efficient. They're doing all the right things right now. And then, like you mentioned, the league's better when a team like the Sacramento Kings, you know, are good. I mean, because just a few years ago, the Sacramento Kings, I'm not saying we're the laughing stock in the NBA, but we're just kind of a team where you kind of knew your team was going to beat them that night. Now, they're 10 games above 500. Um, you know, <laughs> they're the three seed in the West. They're more likely than not going to, you know, get into the playoffs. Even though, even if they have a, you know, a bad end to the regular season, they've they've had a really good stretch to this point, where they'll where they will get in no matter what. Um, and this is a team that can probably go in and win a round or two if they get hot. I mean, it's a, again, it's a young, hungry team with a few, um, you know, key veteran leaders. But you know, at the end of the day. The Kings are in the three seed, and they're doing probably a lot better than ninety percent of NBA fans would, you know, give them credit for. Yeah, I, I will, I'll include myself in that ninety percent, and I'll give them credit here. I'll apologize to the Kings too. I was not a huge fan of the Sabonis trade at the time. I just thought that was not a smart move. I mean. Looking at it, I thought, you know, you don't trade a guard who's, you know, a guy that shoots, you know, 40% from three and can play make and is on a rookie scale contract. Even though Sabonis is an all-star, he's a good player. You just don't trade, you know, guys like Tyrese Halliburton. And uh, they have certainly proved me wrong in that department. Sabonis has been, you know, great for them. He's given you his usual, you know, 20-some-odd and 12, you know, and is a very good passer for a big man, can give you, you know, five assists as well. So they definitely proved me wrong in that regard. Yeah, and like the Sacramento Kings, once again, um, Sabonis, like he, he kind of plays a similar role um, to what Jokic does over in Denver, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd say. Um, obviously not the player that Nikola Jokic is. Not many are. Um, we haven't seen any, you know, player like him in, in NBA history, um, to be frank. But Sabonis is one of those players that is going to get you 20 a night and get you, you know, a double-double every single night. And more times than not, you feel comfortable enough where he can put up, you know, similar numbers to what triple-doubles are. So um, Sabonis is the second-leading scorer on the team. And then obviously you got you know De'Aaron's, De'Aaron De'Aaron Fox averaging twenty five, um, you know four and six. So he's you know he's having a really good individual year as well. You know really stepping up um, to the player that I'm sure a lot of Kings fans thought he could be. Because um, I know for myself I always just kind of viewed De'Aaron Fox as one of those point guards that is good, but not really good. That's going to get you over the hump. Um, kind of like a D'Angelo Russell, I guess you could say. That's kind of where I thought. Uh, De'Aaron Fox could end up where he's a where he's a good point guard. He's a you know a starting caliber point guard on a playoff contending team, but I just don't know if he's like a guy that you can facilitate your offense through as a second um, second option, I guess. But De'Aaron Fox um, is like the guy outside of Sabonis on the Kings uh, points wise, and he's having a phenomenal season. And then 
they just got some really great role players as well um, outside of Sabonis and Fox. Harrison Barnes, I mean, he's been around for a, you know, a while now. Uh, old Golden State Warrior, always have love for Harrison Barnes for you know helping us win that one ring back in 15. Um, but Barnes, again, 30 years old, veteran leader, averaging 15 a game. And then I know Kevin Herter is having a solid season over there. 14 and a half points a game and then Monk and Keegan Murray just you know some other players that are that are contributing to the Kings success so and again they're a young team with a couple players that have some veteran experience and championship and playoff experience um, in Harrison Barnes so this is a team that if can get hot you know can make a run probably past the first potentially you know give a team in the and uh give a team uh you know a tough run in the second round yep and talking about this game specifically I mean it was, uh, you mentioned, the man, De'Aaron Fox, had 42-12. and 12. The Kentucky, the former University of Kentucky backcourt collectively just showed out. You had De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk combining for 87 points. Sabonis did his usual work, chipping in 20-10-4. and four. Harrison Barnes, uh, Kevin Herter both in double figures with 11. Trey Lyles had 10. And then looking at the L.A. Clippers, this team, you know, Kawhi Leonard had 44 points in that game, 34 for Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Brook in his Clipper debut had 17-5 and 14, which I believe was tied for the most assist by a player in their Clipper debut. Batum had 19, Terrence Mann had 10, Mason Plumley had 10 to go along with 10 rebounds. The Clippers in that game just showed off. You know, I think that they're the most deep team in the NBA. And how about Kawhi Leonard, man? Um, well, let me see if I can find it here. Kawhi Leonard. So obviously he missed the entirety of last season with that partially torn ACL. And then coming back, you know, he was rusty, which is to be expected. Shot 44-21-76 splits through the first 10 games of this season. But since then, he's shooting 53-46-89 from the field three-point and free-throw line, which is exactly what the Clippers need. Because if they're going to make you know a deep run, it's going to be on the back of that guy. I think the Clippers are kind of set up similarly to the 2019 Raptors in the sense that you have your superstar, your alpha, in Kawhi Leonard. And then obviously, you know, Paul George is kind of like your Siakam. He can go out and get you 20-plus a night and he's going to play solid defense. And then they just have... You know, a bunch of guys that can shoot a little bit, that can defend a little bit, that can play make a little bit. So, you know, that's a, a good sign for the Clippers to see, you know, Kawhi Leonard kind of rounding back into form, you know, coupled with the depth that they have on this team. Yeah, because it's kind of been out. It's kind of been like a while since we've seen Kawhi Leonard um, consistently in the NBA. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that? Um, he's yeah. always been out for a little bit. In load management. Load management. Um, but, you know, the league's better when Kawhi's playing and, um, especially with Paul George, those two together, um, they've had a lot of expectations ever since they've they've came over to LA. Um, obviously, we know, we know LA is um, a team over the last ten fifteen years. They they've had a really hard stretch um, in the postseason, whether that was with Lob City or recently with uh, you know Leonard and George. But Leonard and George are both playing really well right now, and they have a chance. Um, to build a, a little more chemistry with that team overall, with some of the depth players, um, over the last you know some odd fewer games left in the season, and again they're a team in the postseason that you know if they're healthy and if they're playing and they're not you know doing this load management stuff, you know they're a team that should be able to contend for a Western Conference Final, uh, and and if, if they don't, uh, I mean I don't know where you go from here, uh, because simply put, 
you got a lot invested in Leonard and George, and these are two of the top players in the NBA. And if you cannot, you know, make a run, uh, you know, potentially for a championship with these two players, I mean, I don't know where you go from here. Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't know if there's much you can do at uh, at that point. Um, all I know is I'm rooting for the Clippers to win it all this year. I want to see my boy, the player that got me into basketball, Russell Westbrook, get a ring. I would have loved to have seen him and Paul George do it in Oklahoma City, but better late than never, I suppose. So I'm uh, being an honorary Clippers fan for the rest of the season. Now, I'd be remiss here if we didn't talk about your favorite team, Evan, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Clay Thompson, got to give a shout-out to him. I mean, on the 24th of February, put up 42 points and uh, 12 made threes. And then on the uh, 25th, I believe it was... No, where is it? I can't find it. They... uh, Yes, it was the 26th. They beat the Timberwolves 109-104. Again, Clay Thompson had another solid game. He put up 32 points on 12 of 23 shooting, 6 of 14 from downtown. So the stellar play of Clay Thompson got him on a two-game winning streak. No Stephen Curry, no Draymond Green, and they're still right in the thick of things, having, you know, maybe a little bit of a hangover, you could say, but they're currently a game of above 531 and 30 seventh seed in the west and uh you know not where they'd probably like to be at this point but you know i'd imagine things can only go up from here if you continue to get this type of play from clay thompson then getting you know steph curry draymond green back so how you feeling at this point in the season for your your favorite team yeah currently right now for the golden state warriors sitting where they are in the standings they are in the seventh seed so technically uh, you know they're they're in a good position. They're they're in a fine spot, I would say, um, overall with the entire with the entire way the the West is. Um, a game right over five hundred isn't going to cut it, but I think they're sitting in a good spot um, because when they do get their full roster back into this, you know, into the thick of things, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. Dante DiVincenzo, Jonathan Kaminga, Draymond Green. Like, this is a roster that should be able to contend down the stretch. They got the experience. They got the talent. Um, they got the coaching. But right now, I mean, when you look at the Warriors roster in, in you know in general, Steph Curry, 38 games played. Klay Thompson, 49 games played. Jordan Poole, 61 games played. Wiggins, 37 games played. They haven't played with each other all season long, really, really consistently. They have not had their their full group of players um, on the court at the same time. And I forget the stat, but I'm pretty sure the lineup um, went healthy with Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Green, and Looney. It's like the best um, five players you can have on the court for a team. Like They're outscoring their opponents by like 100 points or something like that. Um, so when, when, you know, when all those guys are healthy and on the court with one another, um, they're, they're unstoppable. I mean, they're, they're a phenomenal team. Obviously we know they won the championship last year, but they just haven't been healthy all season long. And when the Warriors do get healthy and they do get their guys back, expect, expect them to find themselves and go on a little bit of a run, um, before the end of the regular season into the postseason, and that's going to be a team you don't want to play in round one. That's a team you don't want to play if you're in the play-in. Um, you, you don't want to play that team at all. 
um, if you would have to play a full loaded Golden State. And that goes for Gary Payton, too. I mean, we've traded five second-round picks for Gary Payton. Like, once he's back, that's that's another guy that's going to be able to go out there and, you know, play some really dang good defense night in and night out. He's he's an energy player. And, like, you know, Kaminga's getting more, min- more minutes. Um, obviously... Um, you know, we still got the veteran Andre Iguodala. He's played a whole three games this year. It's meant a whole lot to the team. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but overall, I mean, the War- the Warriors have some solid depth this year. And, you know, once they get their players back, I think they're going to be in a, a really good spot. You know what? You know what other team you don't want to see in the first round in the NBA? The Atlanta Hawks, baby. Consider them the Golden State Warriors of the Eastern Conference because they have the same record, 31-30, and 30, are also on a two-game winning streak thanks to a game-winning Trey Young floater against the New York Knicks. And, hey, you know what? The season hasn't gone according to plan uh, up to this point. But, hey, 2-0 and since firing Nate McMillan just agreed to a five-year deal Big dubs. with Quinn Schneider. That's right, formerly of the Utah Jazz. And, hey, you know what? I'd like to think that we have a comparable team to some of those Jazz teams that Quinn Schneider had out there in Utah, if not a little bit better. So, you know what? The, the road to the NBA Finals for the Atlanta Hawks starts right now. But, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of uh, National Hockey League action, you know, particularly the Buffalo Sabres, some trades going down. Uh, Timo Meyer, who some thought uh, might be a Sabre, you know, around this time, but not. So a lot to get to there, and we will do just that after these words. You're listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. Again, Nick Cousins, right side for Florida. Lomberg, wide open, save Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. I am Tan, and as always, I am joined by Dan. We uh, we lost one member of the squad. Evan Harrington is no longer with us. I mean, he's still alive. He's just not in studio <laughs> any longer. You put him in the grave. But, Dan, isn't it funny how this works? We have, you know, now five people on the, on the show, but somehow it's always just, it ends up it, just it, being you and me. It, it somehow it works in weird ways, Tanner. I, I think the world loves the Tan and Dan show, and they don't want to see it gone anytime soon. Yeah, the universe does not want to see us separated. So now let's talk about... The uh, the Buffalo Sabers, eh? Because there's been a lot going on in uh, in that department. I mean, we'll start out with the uh, the the game against the Florida Panthers on Friday, February the 24th. The Sabers came away with a three to one win because of Craig the Brick Wall Anderson. I mean, my gosh, dude, forty one. Who would have thought? Forty one year old Craig Anderson, fifty save forty nine shots on. Or yeah, say forty nine shots on fifty shots faced. I mean, that's just that's unreal, and that is robbery. That the the NHL auditing process put him below fifty saves. That is ridiculous. Come on, he's forty one years old. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Either way, I still I think he's the uh, the oldest goaltender in NHL history to record that many saves in a game or something like that. But boy, you know, we were just talking about it before the show went on the air. There has been a handful, a select few games that the Sabres have won just strictly off of goaltending, and this might have been one of those games. I mean, what a performance by the bald mamba, Craig Anderson. I I mean, yeah, he was he was godlike. I mean, that dude, when he is fully rested, ready to go, 
he's unstoppable. There's there's no other ways to say it because I got to think, even with the Panthers having their best two centers out, which was like, okay, this shouldn't be a bad game. This should be a pretty easy game for the Sabres to win. And for a lot of the time, I was thinking, oh, my God, we look horrible <laughs> against a team without their top two centers. I mean, Brandon Montour, I hate Brandon Montour just in the sense that he does so well against us. And he did so well for us, but we used him so wrongly because it was with Ralph Kruger that we never really got to use him the way he he's supposed to be used. Like, um, I forget who tweeted it out, but I believe it was Joe DiBiase, and uh, it was the last time the Sabres have won in Florida against the Panthers. Brandon Montour was on the second line, and Jeff Skinner was on line number four. Yeah, uh, that that's how bad the Sabres were during that coaching year uh, and, and how much Kruger hated Jeff Skinner. It was an amazing game to watch. It was a game that I was like, okay, we should have this. We need to have it. And Craig Anderson stepped it up tenfold. I, I mean, I some of those saves, I did not even expect him to make. Like, even the one where he just randomly flops over on his side. Yeah, and I was like, what is he doing? Why, why, why is he on his side? There's no reason to. But uh, nonetheless, I, I, I mean, the offense looked well. Tuck, Skinner, your, your main guys, you know, stepped up. Especially with the other lines. You know, doing okay holding Florida, but, you know, not really getting as much production as you would have liked uh but you know that these games have been big wins for the Sabres uh you know being the lightning which was the makeup game for when the blizzard happened Mm -hmm. which was a main key game that I even forgot about because I forgot when it was rescheduled for I was like when when are we when are we doing this uh but to win that game that game kind of brought you back up into the group like Hey, you don't have as many games in hands as you like anymore. You don't have the six. You don't have the five games in hand over teams anymore. You now have four, one, you know, minimal games. And to beat the Panthers the next night who are right against you fighting for that same spot, I am not, I I am very happy in this team. I hope it keeps progressing. I, I'm starting to like Donnie Meatballs in a way. I know, weird words out of my mouth, but uh, with uh, with production comes respect, and I, I am gaining a lot of respect for what uh, Granado is doing because even in um, post-games and pre-game interviews with the players, they're like, he's really stepping it up a notch. He's not as nice development as everybody would think because now – we're in a position to make it into the playoffs. He is way harder on us. He is like, you got to do everything right to make sure we make it. You know, you can have a mistake here and there, but we don't want you to make that mistake in the game. So, I, I, I'll admit, I'll, I'm getting a little respect for Donnie Meatballs. 
And I'll admit that only because it's on the Tan Dan show. That's right. I can't believe what I am hearing. The unflappable Double D is coming around on Don Granado. But, hey, you know what? As long as you give him the flowers, that's all that we care about. You know what? That's uh, that's that's the mark of a person with integrity right there. You know, you make a claim, maybe. You know, you're not right. So you come around, you say, all right, I'll admit it. I was wrong. You know what? Although the jury's not out yet, in fairness to you, like we still have a job to do, still have to make the playoffs. But we're in... Uh, a pretty good position to do so and that's why after the Panthers game the vibes were immaculate we just got you know 49 should have been 50 plus saves out of our 41 year old goaltender you know that win put us in a playoff spot I mean the vibes were immaculate but then things kind of came downhill after the game uh, it was announced that Alex Tuck was placed on injured reserve apparently he's week to week with a lower body injury um, Kevin Adams did say that he expects to have him back by the end of the regular season. So, you know, that uh, that kind of put a damper on things a little bit. And then you get to game day yesterday against the Capitals. Then it comes out that Darlene's day-to-day, he's out. And I started thinking, oh, boy, well, it's a good thing we beat the Panthers because this is probably not going to go well. And how do we respond to losing, you know, our top-line winger? Oh, we just dropped seven goals casually on the Washington Capitals. Dylan Cousins, the workhorse from White Horse, hopped on his horse and got his first career hat trick to uh, cap off a four-point night. Vinny Henestrosa just casually, he comes up from Rochester and just drops two points, one goal, one assist. Middlestat had two helpers, as did Jack Quinn. Gergi scored, and then he had a handful of guys with assists. Josty, Labushkin, Oposo, Power, Matias Samuelson, and then, of course, you know, picking up the slack for their fallen line mate. Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson each recorded goals, so Man, I mean, that was just a phenomenal game yesterday. It was 2-2, I believe, at the end of one, right? And then just rattle off a flurry of goals in the uh, second period. That's what I love about this Sabres team is just out of nowhere, just at a moment's notice, they can just explode like a supernova and just start putting goals on the board like it's nobody's business. I mean, when the Sabres' complimentary scoring shows up like it did yesterday, I mean, how do you beat that team? Like, we broke. We broke Darcy Kemper. Yeah, we broke <laughs> Darcy Kemper. I mean, after the fifth goal, yeah, I mean, he's breaking his stick on the uh, on the goal there, got yeah. pulled, sent to the locker room. I mean, that was a guy, too, that was rumored maybe the Sabres should go after him this past free agency. No, nah, no thanks. We got Lucan in. We're good. But, man, what a game that was yesterday. It, it was amazing. I mean, how how could you not watch it and be like, okay, there's a lot of positives here. I, I mean, there, there are key things in the Sabres franchise that every Sabres fan needs to hate. And number one is Jack Eichel. That has become number one. You cannot like Jack Eichel. I don't care what Evan Harrington says. Um, Just on the way he left. Then you go to Cindy Crosby, who is the Saber killer, who has been known to destroy the Sabres any given night, any given time, any given place. I don't care if it would be in the middle of, like, Europe. He would still destroy us. I, I, I mean, no matter where he is, he would destroy the Sabres. And then you get to the third player, Alex Ovechkin. Long-time guy, you know, old, now competing for Wayne Gretzky's record of uh, goals in a career. He has killed the Sabres time 
and time again because he's just so freaking good. We shut him down <laughs> like it was nothing. And that was without a dowling. That was with our, like, with Clegg and Samuelson being our number one line. Power was against Alex Ovechkin for seven minutes. And the Sabres had ten scoring chances when, uh, when Power was on Ovechkin. Washington had zero. It was an amazing game from Front to back, yeah, a couple unlucky goals on Lukanen, but that's going to happen. You know, the one, like, goes through two, like, the two players waiting for the off-the-ball bounce, uh, or off-the-wall bounce, and it comes straight to Ovechkin, where, like, Lukanen is, where the heck is the puck? I'm just going to do, like, an L pose here and then fall over. But, I I mean, I, I don't remember a time at least in a long time that the Sabres have caused another team to switch their goalies mid-game. And I wish somebody would have a stat of that. Nobody has a stat of that. I, I would love to see when was the last time a Sabres team has caused a goalie to be switched out for non-injury reasons. Because injuries are a different story. But making a, a, a top Five to ten goalie in the NHL rage quit in the middle of the ice. <laughs> Man wanted to go home, uh, go to his PS5 and hit the restart button for for the game. I I seeing him break his stick was just like the Sabers are making teams mad, and it's not in the sense that we're a bad team and that the good teams should have beat our butts. And they didn't. You know, it's not like that anymore. Now we're getting to that phase of, oh, hey, they're actually doing well. Hey, they have some respect on their name. Hey, they're actually pushing for a playoff spot that they haven't been in since 2012. Uh, It is amazing to see other teams maybe still doubting the Sabres. And the Sabres saying, nah-uh-uh, try again later. Uh, (laughs) And just... Killing them on the spot. I I mean I have never seen a more more well fashioned killing of the Washington Capitals by the Sabres. And without two of your top guys, especially Dalene, I I mean I think we could all overlook the tuck thing, or you know there there could be moves made to say, you know like they did move Quinn up to the first line and leave it like that. Quinn worked really well with Thompson and Skinner. But Darlene is your key guy. He's your main defender. He's your main, like, just just all-around great guy. Knows how to play the puck. Knows how to lead a power play. He, knows, he has all the skills you want in a great player. And now your defense looks like, wow, that's a heaping pile of garbage right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just to put it lightly. Luckily, there wasn't any flames on it, uh, Jacob Bryson. Uh, but... You know, it it was great. I, I just can't get over the fact that it was great. It was amazing. I can't wait for more because we faced them one or two more times before the end of the season. And now that we're in the, the fight for the last playoff spot or the fight to get the New York Islanders out um, and push us in, it's now every man for themselves. It's now 
we got to win these gritty games. We got to kill any opponent who's close to us. We got to, I, I don't care who they are, where they are in the standings. You're taking them like they're, they're blocking you like the, the brick wall, but you have your own brick wall in the net, Craig Anderson, you know? So uh, that, that was my main thoughts during the game. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't be more excited for this team than I've had, than I've been in a really, really long time. All it took was me becoming a fan. Like the first yeah. year that I followed the Sabres religiously, they're above 500. They are in the thick of things. So, man, I should have I should have just Tanner, what a fan. the what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, I could have saved the Sabres fans a lot of anguish if I just would have became a fan in like 2012. But my favorite thing uh, about this game was the passing. Man, there are some crisp crispy passes in this game like you look at Dylan Cousins first goal middle stat had a really nice helper where he just you know put the break put the brakes on at the near boards and then hit Cousins you know with the centering pass and he was able to finish um Jack Quinn had a really nice assist uh, leading to Dylan Cousins second goal the Vinny Henestrosa goal oh, I mean that, that was, was just oh, tic-tac-toe boom oh, boom 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 that was so dirty that was that was like just cleaning out the garbage it was like oh he had Darcy Kemper had no shot at saving that yeah I don't blame him for losing his mind after that I mean how do you want me to defend that like yeah. what what else can you do but oh man you know sometimes we give the Sabres gripe for like overpassing at times but man the, they were just locked in yesterday the playmaking was oh chef's kiss out of this world uh Tage Thompson had a goal his 40th of the season the first time in his career that he's uh, reached that margin and he's still he's well on pace man for you know 50 goals 100 points he's currently sitting at 40 goals 79 and we still got you know a ways to go so just hats off to TNT for continuing his uh, fantastic season also you got to give some shine to Jeff Skinner too he's got nine points in the last six games five goals four assists and, you know, we talk about Don Granado from a player development standpoint. And normally when we say that, you know, you think about the young guys. Like, look at the development we've seen from guys like Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins. Cousins but he has revitalized Jeff Skinner's career. I mean, this is a guy that's only a couple years removed from, you know, being on the fourth line, pretty much on the taxi squad. And now Jeff Skinner, as I mentioned, he's got nine points in the uh, last six games, and it's very possible that he could eclipse his career high in goals this season, which is 33. He's done that in two separate seasons. He's at 25 right now. No, he had a 40. He's had a 40-goal season. Oh, right, yeah. I was he did that the... in 2018, 2019. That's what they were uh... – that was uh, the last time the Sabres had a 40-goal scorer before Tage. Mm, yeah, all right. So, But assist, though. Assist, he's, yeah. Yes, he's career high in that already, 34, yeah. and we still got a couple games. And it's he's only four points away from tying his uh, career-high point total, which is 63, which he has reached in four separate seasons. So, Man, you know, we talk about the young guys we've seen the development out of, but give Donnie Meatballs credit for revitalizing Jeff Skinner's career. Yeah, I mean, how could you not love what even the older guys are changing? I mean, even Zemgis Gergensen, a guy who hasn't really amounted to anything above a fourth-line guy in his career, you know, no offense to him. I know he has the best uh, a draft story there ever was, you know, uh, try like one guy tweeted out, Oh, this guy's horrible. He doesn't put in the work. And he's like, Hey, get, how, why don't you join me for training and see what I do? Uh, 
dude's a savage, but he he's never really amounted to anything over the fourth line. And even he he's starting to get some goals here and there. He's starting he's way more aggressive than I've seen him in past years. I I I mean I think Dying Meatballs has finally put a winning mentality into the Sabres, which has not happened in the longest time. Um, it, it just to, you know, it's hard to work on older players. You know, we always talk about the Bills with Eric Washington, you know, how much training does Von Miller need? He's Von Miller. You, you got to work on the young guys um, and, and develop them. But with the Sabres, it seems like they just kind of develop everybody in some ways than another. You know, working on certain mechanics here, working on certain looks here, having, a, you know, still, a, even though the power play hasn't produced much in the last couple of games, it's still a top five in the league. Um, you know, that's nothing to be mad about. And they're not playing like hey, we need this perfect passing movement to get a goal. They are now like, we're going to create chances. We're going to create this. You know, We're going to trust each other that we're there at the right time. Uh, and it's just made the older guys better and, you know, had that, like have them use their skills to, the, to their advantage that, you know, the young guys are producing. You know, Middlestaff with his good, um, you know, I don't say a lot of good things about Middlestaff, but he does have good vision when it comes to goals. Um, you know, does he have the greatest vision when passing it backwards? No. We saw that uh, uh, that against Washington, but, uh, you know, he, he can tell when people are open or when people will be open. So it, it is like, okay, Everybody's getting better together. It's not like you're you're looking for a couple of these guys to develop. And we still are. We're still looking at Paterka and Quinn. You know, those are the main guys you look at. But nobody ever notices, like, wow, these older guys who we signed to big contracts are actually doing better than they've ever done in their career. I, I mean, everybody's been saying for the past couple of years, Jeff Skinner was a horrible signing for the Sabres. The $9 million a year, it's going to kill the Sabres for signing a guy for that much. Even though now it's like, or at least right now, it's like, he's kind of worth it. He's kind of worth the $9 million. You know, through 55 games, he has 59 points. That's over the point per game mark. You know, it, and everybody's having fun again. So I, I got to admit, everybody's developing under Donnie Granado. Even a guy like uh, like Alex Tuck. I mean, you look at through 57 games, obviously now the injury puts a little bit of a damper, you know, on what his season could have looked like. But through 57 games, you know, got career highs in goals by eight, in assists by two, and then, you know, in points by, you know, 10. So even a guy like Tuck, you know, I mean, Granado's just getting the most out of everybody at this point and you look at the continued development also of Dylan Cousins notched his first career hat trick yesterday had four points in total after a three-game pointless streak but you know he's now eclipsed his career high in goals by 10 assists by two um points by 14 so 
Boy, I'll just say it, reiterate it again. Having our two, you know, centers, age 25 and under, and 22 in the case of Dylan Cousins, having those two guys locked up for seven years, you know, for a combined $14 million per year, I mean, that was just Kevin Adams knocked that one, those two signings out of the park, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off with Alex Tuck, I mean, it, it's horrible that he got injured, but you can tell he loves playing here. You know, it's been his dream, like he's said multiple times. Like, I, I've always wanted to play for my hometown. That's, like, the dream. And to be with Vegas for your first, like, couple of years of your career who have had a lot of success, have been to the playoffs multiple times, and to be fighting for, you know, the second line or to be on the first line, they're, they're, they're kind of proving uh, they're kind of proving Vegas what they're, they're missing. I, I, I really got to admit, they, they have... Alex Stuck has shown why he's a number one line guy. He just has. He he has the skills. He has the determination. He has the roughness in him. That's another thing I want to talk about, the the roughness in the team. And it's not in the rough, like diamonds in the rough, and you got to polish it off. No, it's more like knocking players over, knocking players out, defending our players, where it's like beforehand we would probably only defend Eichel and our goalie to some extent. Uh either Allmark um, or or um, I'm forgetting the backup, but he sucked, so I don't really. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's okay to forget. Not been many remarkable Sabres goaltenders ever since Ryan Miller left. Maybe uh, remarkable for bad reasons. But, yeah. Uh, uh, but, you hey, know. Speak of the devil, Linus Allmark. You see that yes, goalie goal? Jesus. But anyways, I digress. Continue, No, Dan. it's okay. Uh, you know, paying Krebs. Small as he can be, doesn't do, you know, not the biggest goal scorer, not the biggest playmaker, you know, only is your center for your third or fourth line, but he'll fight anybody on that ice. You could put Zeno Chara out of retirement, the freaking tallest dude in the NHL, and he would fight him. He would, like, go up to him, size him up, and be ready to throw hands. I He is, like, the smallest dude in the world and has the biggest fighting mentality on the Sabres. Um, and, and people are starting to hate Krebs for that, and I love it. Uh, even Cousins. Cousins still has the fire. Darwin. Uh Everybody just has so much fire. And even if they take that five-minute penalty, they know it was worth it because they were sticking up for their teammates, and I believe that that went for Quinn yesterday, and that went for was it Cousins who got the uh, second penalty, the second five minute. I think so. Yeah. Yes, that was. Uh, I mean, that was that was something. Dylan Cousins at one point got knocked down with his helmet off on the ground, and somehow he gets the penalty. Yeah, that but was, I digress. That was that was one of the weirdest penalty calls I've ever seen. Uh, in the sense of giving a five-minute major to, uh, that, like, what? The dude got slammed onto the ice. I don't think he did anything. <laughs> uh, but the, the the aggressiveness on the team is just at a different level that you have not seen. And I love seeing the fight yesterday. Oh, that brought it back to old times where mm-hmm. it's like the refs – like, didn't try to control it. It was out of their control. They let it happen. Um, I I wish we could go back to that. I hope in some ways refs will start letting that happen again. Please, 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 please. <laughs> uh, but 
I, I even loved Rob Ray because Rob Ray at during some time um, while speaking during the game said, sometimes the only thing you can do is resort to violence. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, Rob. Like, this, <laughs> Rob does not care. Rob, Rob, may, Rob is still the goon at heart. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it, it's at a different level. It's exciting to see. And I, I hope we see see it for the rest of the season. And if we make it to the playoffs, I, I want to see uh, a goalie fight between Craig Anderson and Linus Allmark. Oh I, I don't care how much it will take, but I want to see that so badly. Jeez, if that have the happen. old guy go against the guy who screwed over the Sabres, who would have paid him more money than the, than the Bruins are right now. But I would love to see, or even send UPL out there. Ukapeka Lukanen wants to throw some hands. All right. <laughs> I would, uh, boy, if that were if that was the case, if Craig Anderson tried to fight Linus Allmark, he might not play a game for like one and a half months after. Hey, that. I don't care. That that's the risk I'll take, man. Craig Anderson, he's not that. He's not the fighting type. He's more like the dad that's trying to like, all right, kids, let's pick it up now. <laughs> but Lukanen, I I I like his odds. But before we go to break here, there's one more. Player, you know, talking about development that I got to bring up, and Dan, I'm gonna hog tie you and make you say nice things about him. It's Casey Middlestad, no. man, dude. I mean, come on, he's no. he's almost at his career high in goals. His no. career high is 12 back in 2018-19. Is at nine right now. Assist, he's more than doubled his career high of 13. He's at 28, 37 points. That's a career high. Middlestad's starting to figure it out, man. I think all that he needed was just to play, you know, a full season or just somewhere near it, like, you know, 70-plus games. He's on pace to do that, and he's on pace to score 50 points this year. Like, Middlestad, he's just, you know, he had a rough start to the season, but he's been amazing these past, you know, month, month and a half. I mean, what a guy. Just what a guy. Middle stat mode has been activated, to you know, say the least. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Tanner, if this makes you any, any happier. He he has worked his way from the bag of pucks, as as we like to call it, Don't. Uh, to, to a hotel room full of hockey pucks. No shot. There you go. There hey, you go. All I'm saying is a hotel room full of full of pucks isn't. Uh, it's not. Gonna it's a lot up, of pucks, man. It's not going to put up 37 points and 28 helpers. I mean, sure, maybe you know you have m- more pucks to go in the back of the net, but if you don't have the distributors, then then what's the point, man? Middle stats, the distributor, man. He is uh, his playmaking. Maybe not the best goal scorer, all right, but his playmaking, man. Like Evan was talking to me before we went on the air. Middle stats, like one of the best half wall passers in the entire NHL, he said he would say. And you know, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I don't there's know at I least like one or either. two passes a game where I'm like sick pass middle stat, like out loud. Like he's just he's taking that that next step in his game. And I think there's a place for him on this team when you have guys that are elite shooters like, you know, Tage Thompson, Jack Quinn, Victor Olofsson when he decides he wants to go on like a ten game heater. So I definitely think there's a place for middle stat on this team. He's starting to figure out all he needed was just to play, you know, you know, close it is to a full season, and you know, figure out that NHL grind. It, it is starting to look more and more um, like if the Sabers were to trade anybody, anybody off this team, it would move to Victor Olsen. I I will move Middlestat over Victor Olsen. Olsen has been really quiet the past couple of games, and he hasn't really impressed me in any way. Um, 
and I'll I'll give I'll give Middlestead flowers. He's done pretty well, but I will say with every middle step positive, there's always a middle stat negative. You know, in every game. So that's that's my final remark on middle stat for a little bit. Depending if he does anything more this week. I'm I'm with there. I think I'm with you there, at least on the Olafson that I'd rather move Olafson. If we had to move somebody, Olafson would be the choice number one. I think there's a place for him on the team too because he's an elite shooter. You know, we've seen the past two seasons, you know, before that he was considered primarily a power play specialist, but you know, in the past two seasons he's really improved at even strength, but boy, he has just gotta be the streakiest player in the NHL. Like he'll go on like a 10-game heater where he'll have, like, you know, he could have, like, 10 goals in 10 games, and then he'll just go silent for a period of time, radio silent. Like, he's on a six-game point-less streak right now. So I can uh, I'll concede that one to you, Dan. If there was a player that we had to move, gun to our head, you have to move one saber, Victor Olofsson's probably going to be the, uh, the first choice there. But let's take a break, and we come back. We will uh, talk about some trades going down in the NHL that uh, may or may not. Uh, pertain to the Sabres. So stick around for the second half of the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo. Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We'll be right back after these messages. Comes barreling down the boards. Now it's Cousins. He feeds it ahead. Middle step. Back to Cousins. On his horse, welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. I am Tan, still joined by Dan, and this is the Tan and Dan Show. We're uh, talking Dan some, Show. That's right. We're talking some NHL hockey here, the Sabres uh, beating the Capitals. The one last thing I wanted to touch on with this game is it was good to see, you know, as good a performance as Craig Anderson had against the Florida Panthers. It was good to see Uko, Pekka, just call him UP because the L belongs to your favorite team, Lukanen, back in net. He had a, a, a nice bounce back performance considering the last time we saw him in net was uh, in Toronto well wait was it in Toronto it was against Toronto that's all I know I yep. can't remember where it was played but Lukanen let up uh, four goals on 10 shots so it was good to see him he needed that needed a nice bounce back game you know there were a couple goals as is always the case this is my biggest gripe with the Sabres is that our poor defense and uh, sometimes boneheaded turnovers make Lukanen look a lot worse than he actually is but, uh, you know, a couple goals he had go against him that weren't entirely his fault. But overall, you know, he did enough. I mean, when your team puts up seven goals, that makes your job pretty easy as a goaltender. But he did what he had to do to uh, secure the W, and uh, I am happy about that because I am a big uh, fan of his. So that was good to see. Nice bounce-back game for UPL. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that was what the Sabres needed from UPL is a bounce-back game. He's... He had two horrible games, not horrible, but just I not up to the level that a playoff team should be at. And um, he he just I I just don't think he ever had time, or he never really had a great game to feel good about. So he was just in the dumps for a while. He was just like sitting on the bench or you know dressed up, uh, but not ready to play. Of course, not on the bench, but um. This was the game to to get back into the swing of things, to feel better about yourself, because now he can say, 
I beat o- o- Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> UPL handed Alex Ovechkin a big L on his forehead. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Just exactly. Call him, just call him UP because the L goes to your favorite team. So talking about some trades in the NHL, uh, you know, after Alex Tuck went down, you know, of course that intensified the rumors that, oh, maybe the Sabres are going to go, you know, for a potentially a top six forward, maybe a particular San Jose Shark, maybe his name Timo Meyer, And he did get traded, but not to the Sabres. He went to the New Jersey Devils. So, Dan, I see you shaking your head. Your thoughts on this trade, and were you disappointed that the Sabres, you know, not to say that maybe they didn't have their uh, name in the ring, but that they didn't pull uh, pull through and get something done. Lindy Ruff. Of course. Uh, of all the people to to uh, take a great player away from the Sabres, it's of course our one of our best coaches ever uh, in the Sabres blue and gold and, and red and black. He was during that time too. Uh, during most of every other like alternate there was of the Sabres. He was he was for the blue and gold. He was in the red and black. He was in the slug. Then he went back, you know. Uh, but, of course, he's the one who who takes a great player away from the Sabres, especially in a year that, you know, everybody thought the Devils were just going to be a, a, a bottom feeder, I mean, to put it nicely, um, or at least playing for a wild card spot uh, because – Lindy was told last season, like, hey, you don't step it up, you're fired. Like, that. that's basically probably what the discussion was. Um, because th- there there was a lot of a lot of fans calling for his name at the end of last season after a horrible season. And to, to be in a position where you're second in your own division, you don't have to worry about the wild card, um, and, and now you add a player like Timo Meyer, who you do not need, Lindy. You, you don't need him, Lindy. Stop adding players, Lindy. Uh, it, you know, I feel happy that, you know, Lindy Ruff is doing great in other places. Uh, you know, it, it's always nice seeing him when he comes back to Buffalo, and he's always very appreciative of his time in Buffalo. Um, but you don't need him, Lindy. Why'd you have to take him? You didn't need him. You didn't. There was no. No. Out of all the out of all the people you take, why couldn't you take why couldn't you take uh, Ryan O'Reilly? Why didn't you take him? But um you know, I, I, I saw of course there's there's always stats coming out uh about this trade, about how like monumental it was. It was a huge trade. It was it was nine players um, and I believe four picks traded, which is a huge amount in a two-team trade. And um, I, I love using cap-friendly. Uh, you know, if you ever, like, see hockey trades or anything, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put them out there, give them free advertising. They, they are a great, great uh, – they have a great social media team of just finding um, – a lot of trades from the past and, you know, how the trades affect this, their cap, the team's cap, uh, the picks in the later years. Um, but there was only one other trade that included nine players that was not a three-team trade because there are, th- there are four other trades, I believe, with um, nine players involved in being switched from teams. 
And this was a trade in 2016 between the, of course, Toronto Maple Leafs, because it seems like they trade for everybody, uh, and the Ottawa Senators, shockingly. And it was for Dion Fanouf. If I'm saying your name wrong, I'm so sorry, but that's how it sounds to me. It's P-H-A-N-E-U-F. Panuf? I, I, I'm, I, that, I'm pretty much calling it quits on the name, but uh, it, it was just one of those random trades that is, it, it was for Dion Pernouf, uh who went to Ottawa and four AHL players went to Ottawa in that trade and Ottawa gave up and who got sent to Toronto was Colin Greening. Milan Malala, oh, (laughs) names, names, uh, Mike Alec, uh, Jared Conan, or Cowan, uh, and Tobias Lindbergh, and he was an AHL guy, and then there was also a second round pick in 2017, uh, which was Ottawa's 50, it, it was the number 59 overall pick for Emilia, Razanin. And if I'm saying any of those names wrong, I'm sorry, but the chances that you're listening to hear your name being said wrong is slim to none. Uh, but that, I, I, I mean, it's just a huge trade. It was a lot of players. And what's even funnier enough, what's even funny, one of the players that was involved in that trade yesterday, uh, Scott Harrington, a defenseman, who went from the Sharks to the Devils. High-regarded defenseman, pretty good, you know, doesn't get a lot of points, but he's he's a defenseman defenseman, you know. He he is, like, straight up, I will block shots, do whatever. He got waived today. Why are you trading for him if you're, you're just going to waive him? Like, did he just say, nah, I don't want to come to New Jersey, or... Uh, you know, did they just not want him and it was just like an added part in the trade? It's kind of funny when it, it all comes out and like the next day, a guy who's a part of that trade gets waived. Uh, but, uh, Lindy, you didn't need him. Why'd you do this to us? Uh, even though it was reported that the Sabres weren't even one of the final two teams. Uh, Lindy, man, I tell you what. <sighs> and. So that's one trade. There's another one that just happened today, about an hour before the show broke, and it was the team, Dan, that you just mentioned, the trades for everyone, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess they're trying to get the, the Sabres band back together. The Toronto Maple Leafs acquired defenseman Jake McCabe, forward Sam Lafferty, and two conditional fifth-round draft picks from the Chicago Blackhawks. The Maple Leafs sent Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a conditional 2025 first-round pick and a 2026 second-round pick to Chicago in the deal. Dan, give me your thoughts on that one. First, it was Ryan O'Reilly. Now this. Um, okay, so uh, as a, a warning to everybody, I'm making sure I have the correct year because I want to make a... A, a good funny joke, a good haha, good laugh. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to be wrong in my stats that I may be giving, uh, but uh, expect Toronto to trade for Sam Reinhart in the uh, coming coming days. You know, maybe 
Maybe uh, Zemkis Gergensen is going there. Maybe Middlestat, Opozo, Olafson, Reinhardt. You know, just just expect that all the Sabers from the 2018 year are 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 going to Toronto, uh, because Zach Bogosian, you know, uh, Will Bor- Borgen, uh, Montour, you know, just Ramsmith, Ristolainen. Marco Scandell, just be ready for all those guys to sign with Toronto. Just just be ready when one of these days we face Toronto again and it's the 2018 Sabres versus the 2023-2022-2023 uh, Sabres. I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Uh, I, I'm glad the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are such in a bad position where they must go back in time and try to pull together one of the best Sabres teams uh, that we had, which was uh, at the beginning with that great uh, winning streak that had us in the playoffs for the first half of the year. You know, um, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't like Jake McCabe was a free agent last year. I believe he wasn't this year, but he was last year. Um, yeah, he was in the uh, second year in the second year of a four-year deal this year. Oh wow, then even Warlberg. Uh but like they they could have had the chance to sign him. I I mean I understand you would have had to trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh but I I I don't I don't get what they're doing. I I I have questions. I, I have a lot of questions. Uh you know, I, I understand Ryan O'Reilly. Good center, good second line center. Uh we we know him really well. He scored a hat trick on us uh, not too long ago, but but McCabe, uh, a, a defender that nobody wanted for the longest time, then the Sabers finally decide to trade him, or or try to trade him, but that doesn't work. So then he leaves in the offseason, goes to Chicago, where a lot of players are now going to end their careers. Uh, and now he's in Toronto. What? What? A, what? What changed Toronto? Uh, I I I don't get Toronto anymore, man. I don't I don't get. It. Are they just they're they're really prepping to make sure they don't get into a game seven this season in the playoffs against the Lightning. They're just prepping for it. They don't want to be stuck with another game winning scenario or series winning scenario and, and lose. But that that's really my thoughts on the Jake McCabe trade. Don't they always get bounced in the first round, Toronto? Yes, yes, that's the funny thing. Mm, yep, just like just like the Raptors, like how they were the LeBron's, you know what, for all those years. Yeah, LeBronto. Same thing with the with the Maple Leafs. I guess just can't uh, make it out of the first round. Oh, uh, now the Sabers have not made a move yet. And, Dan, I'll let you have this one because I have no horse in this race. I don't think they should. I mean, yesterday just shows why I think the Sabres are in a good position to just stand pat and not do anything at the trade deadline. We lost, you know, Alex Tuck for an extended period of time, and he was our, you know, top-line winger. He's having a career year. But, I mean, 
even without him, to go and drop just seven goals in the first game without him, I mean, that shows. Like, if the Sabres' complimentary scoring is going to show up like that, I mean, you look at, you know, Vinny Henestroza and Gergensons, and just, like, if those guys are going to be stepping up and scoring goals, then that just shows that we can stand pat. Like, we don't need to go out and make a move. But is there anybody in the NHL that... If there's a remote chance they might be available that you think the uh, the Sabres should go out and uh, make a run for. Obviously, you know, Timo out of the question now, but anybody else you're eyeing up? Any good player on the Coyotes. Mm. You, you can always fleece the Coyotes. The Coyotes are such a horrible franchise. Uh, they're, they're an embarrassment to the NHL. And whenever they have good players, you can probably get them for a fair price. Um and I got uh, I I gotta look at of course the one who's being talked about all the time Jacob Chikorin. That how can you avoid that guy, especially with Darlene fighting? I I know it's day to day, but you don't want it to get worse, and you want to make sure that you can still have a good top four. And I I think Chikorin would move Bryson out of the lineup and have Quig be with. Uh, Labushkin again, and I think that worked really well. Um, so I I would love to see Chickering come here if there's a chance, but you know Arizona is holding out pretty well for their their price. They're like, we want this, and if we don't get it, we're okay with holding him. Um, because there's been a lot of reports saying Buffalo's called Arizona multiple times. The 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 price has not moved though. Um. But another player from Arizona who I would love to see come here, who has experience, who's been in the league for a couple of years, who's older, um, Shane Gostisbehere. I he, he played with Philly for a long time and then got moved to Arizona. Um, I, I think he was he, – he is a great player, and I think you can get him – for at least one of the second round picks, especially the Philly. The Philly is the most enticing one. It's like, that's basically a first round pick. Like, you know, bottom round, like beginning second round, bottom first round pick. Um, and if you could bring both of them on, one who's 24, you who you can sign for a long year deal, and Gossespair who could help Cousins out, I think a little bit more, or even... If you're happy where Cousins is with the second line, you can have somebody help on the third line where it seems like we need a lot of help. Because that line is the most messed around line. You know, it gets it's it gets played with the most times. Like every five days, it's like, okay, we need a new third line. What? Uh so I I think if we could get those both of them somehow in the same trade, um, I, I think it would be great. I don't think you need draft picks anymore. I, I would be okay if we got rid of the first and our second and the Vegas second. I, I would I am totally open to trading both of those or I I know the price on Chickering is set at uh or at least what's reported to be set at is uh the first rounder, uh a good first prospect you know top prospect uh probably top 10 prospect uh in the ahl and then a good mid line player you're not not great but you know still decent enough to to be well on the coyotes which you could put anybody on the coyotes and they would look well 
Um, but I, I'm a little hesitant on tr- giving them up, giving up uh, a, a development piece. And I'm not usually like that. I'm usually like, you can get rid of a development piece just because it takes so long. But I've heard people bring out uh, Savoy and uh, Rosek and Biro, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to get rid of them. Uh, just because you look at the wingers and you're like, we still need a couple of wingers to put in this team to to make it feel complete. Um, so I'm not willing. And, and Savoy, you is, is looking great uh, in. I, I forget which league he's in, but he is looking amazing. He's been scoring so much. He's going to be a great center when he gets called up um, at whatever point that may be. But I would rather give two technical first-rounders, which I said, which was our first-rounder and the Philly second-rounder. I think it's close enough to a first-rounder that you can kind of, like, say, you you can try to sway. I'm like, hey, this this is, like, really good. They're still bottom, like, eight in the league. It's a pretty good pick um, to to make it sound like it's still a first. I, I feel like that would be I, – I don't want to get rid of a developmental piece at this point um, just because of how well they're looking. But I'm okay with moving uh, a Milstair and Olsen for, you know, uh, Chickering who we we badly need defense. Uh, so those are really the two players I'm looking at. Uh, there's been a lot of reports saying the Sabres are looking for a discount deal on Friday. So we may not hear anything about this until Friday, you know, when we're doing the show, uh, because the trade deadline does close at four, I believe. Um, so we'll, we'll be like doing live NHL trade deadline coverage. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand pat and say no trades. Just don't rock the boat. Keep it as is. You know, we're in a playoff spot. You know, fifty, sixty, some odd games into the season. There's no reason to change things up. You know, just keep rocking it. Keep stay the course. Trust the process. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk some football. You reckon Double D? Jordan Poyer said some things. Uh, list came out the top 101. You said free agents uh, this off season, so we can get a little bit into that. Maybe we got some time left in the end. We can have you touch on some MLB news. So that'll be how we wrap things up when we come back here with more of the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. You know, a lot of people ask me, oh, if it wasn't wasn't Buffalo, you know, where would you go? You know, I kind of ponder the question every once in a while. I'd love to go to a state that doesn't take half of my money. Um, that has nothing to do with the city or the, the fit, nothing to do with any of that. I'd love to go to a place where they don't take half of my money. It's just crazy. You know, it's crazy to me that how taxes work. Um, and, you know, some people will say, oh, you know, you're already making X amount of money. Where do taxes even, you know, taxes play big part in, you know, all of our lives, um, especially, you know, at the level that, that we play at, you know, you, you look at some of your checks and, you know, some places you go take half of your check away and you're wondering, you know, where is that money even going? What are they doing with, with that money? So if it wasn't Buffalo, it'd be nice to be warm. Uh, it'd be nice to, to see the sun maybe uh, every every week or so, uh, every every other week at least. You know, and, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I'd be happy to have an opportunity to play anywhere. 
Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo. I am Tan, joined by Dan. This is the Tan and Dan Show. And Dan, we have breaking news now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it just you and I when the Roquan Smith trade broke? You remember that? I believe so, Tan Man. I guess we're just uh, a lucky charm for breaking news, so I'll let you do the honors. What uh, What's the newest development here during the break? The Washington Commanders and Ron Rivera have decided... To kick Carson Wentz to the curb. Said goodbye. Get your stuff out of here. One year experiment. Bye bye. No more Carson Wentz in Washington. He is now a free agent. Yep, there you go. The Commanders release Carson Wentz, future Buffalo Bills backup quarterback Carson Wentz. Wow. Already making the. Wow. Maybe. It's a possibility. It is. I don't know if Carson Wentz has shown enough to be a starter anywhere else. I mean,. Another chance, Frank Reich. Why can't we be friends? Oh, you think Carolina? He's gonna go back. Maybe I mean Frank Reich likes him enough. He could say, you know, he didn't get as much as a chance with uh, with uh, Jim Irsay because Jim Irsay is win now, or uh, I'm putting in my drinking buddy. Uh, but but Dave Temper's a little. He he's a little impatient, so you you gotta play that game right. You don't really know, uh, but there there's definitely a possibility that he could go back to Frank Reich. Yeah, you can't rule it out, but I mean, this was uh, kind of a no-brainer for Washington. I mean, they had already, you know, said as much that they were going to go into next season with the fifth-round pick out of North Carolina. Sam Howell was going to be their starting quarterback. This move frees up $26 million in cap space for Washington, so uh, that one kind of a no-brainer. Now, speaking of teams that need a quarterback... The Chicago Bears, uh, no, I'm not saying they need a quarterback, but (laughs) they have been shopping the number one overall pick, and it looks like they're more likely to to trade the pick than hold on to it at this point. So, uh, yeah, they're leaning towards trading the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, according to Adam Schefter. Now, take it with a grain of salt because it is Adam Schefter, Schefter, but... Even, you know, for the guff we give him, more often than not, he's uh, he's right, I would say. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's had his moments, but a fairly reputable source. And it makes sense because obviously, you know, Dan, you can give your thoughts on this. But Bustin' Fields, man, you know, he's the guy. I mean, simply put, he's just the <laughs> he's guy. Just, he's yeah. just him. I mean, you have $100 million in cap space pretty much, which is more than any other team in the NFL. You have, I think, like 10 or some draft picks in this draft. You know, Justin Fields is the guy that you got to build around. Like, he showed enough flashes last year. Obviously, you know, he didn't have the greatest wide receiver core out there. Darnell Mooney wasn't healthy a lot of the time. Chase Claypool just wasn't productive. His third best receiver was probably Equinemius St. Brown. I mean, Cole Komet's good, but not a lot of talent around Justin Fields. Coupled with probably maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL. They have a lot of holes defensively as well, and... You know, it just, I don't think it makes sense for them to hold on to the number one overall pick. You have more holes on this roster than just a hole that the number one overall pick is going to fix. Like, why not bring in more assets? And there's teams, you know, just within the top 10 that could be moving up to uh, secure 
their quarterback, whether it's Bryce Young or Stroud or Anthony Richardson. You know, you could have a team like Houston that would consider moving up Indianapolis, maybe Carolina. So I, I think uh, that's the right decision for Chicago to be looking to shop that number one overall pick. Yeah, you can't you can't go through another rebuild with a different quarterback. I, I, I mean... I, I get maybe Bryce Young is this generational talent, but he hasn't been talked like a generational talent. Uh, it's not like we heard about Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence where it's like they are almighty and they will lead any teams to the promised land. Uh, but I think it's the right move to trade down. I think you can get a lot of draft capital for it, um, especially with Indy, who is most likely looking to overpay. Uh, because just because of Jim Irsay, a, a lot of things are just caused just because it's Jim Irsay. It, it, it's like Dallas with Jerry Jones. You know, a lot of, a lot of the problems are Jerry Jones. Uh, so I, I think it's the right move to Chicago. Um, maybe they can even get a player out of it. Who knows? Maybe a Michael Pittman wants to trade out, you know, how much draft capital does Indy really want to give up? Uh, could they trade maybe some of their defensive players that uh, Shane Strain doesn't want? You know, that's definitely a possibility. Um, and we'll, I, I definitely think Chicago needs to just stick with Buston Fields. You, you have $100 million in cap space. $100 million. That's like a dream. That That is a, a perfect description of a dream. Uh you know, the next closest team, I believe, is Atlanta at 50. You have 50 million over the next team, and you're telling me you want to continue rebuilding with a rookie court? No, no, you're, you're going to get guys, you're going to surround Boston Fields and, and let him do his job. And I, I definitely think they can move in the right direction. That is right. Absolutely right. If they play their cards right, they could. Uh, I could see them pushing for a wild card spot perhaps next year, depending on you know how they allocate the resources they have this off season. But I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Bears, rooting for Bustin Fields because, uh, like I've mentioned many a times on this show, you know, I was not high on him to start the season, but he he proved me wrong. I. Bears fans, send me it. Send me the Justin Fields apology form. I'll be the first person to sign it. But here's here's a destination for Carson Wentz, perhaps. XFL? XFL. <laughs> CLC Dragons are looking for a new quarterback? Or no, that's Ben DiNucci. You can't replace Ben DiNucci. Can't replace A.J. McCarron No, <laughs> no, it, it would have to be. But, I mean, it's it's... With how he's been playing, I mean, how many other teams do want to give him a chance that he could be delegated to back up for the rest of his career? Yeah. You I know, mean, that, that injury that he took killed him. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really the end result that, you know, after his leg looked at like it got snapped in half, uh, you know, he, he hasn't been the same player. We see that with a lot of players. And it, it, it sucks to, to end, like come to that conclusion but you know if if maybe the xfl would be a good spot because not only would you most likely be a starter but it's happening right now Mm -hmm. if you want to create tape for yourself with these bottom feeder guys you know no (laughs) offense to the xfl but you did pick bottom feeders uh from the nfl who, who who never made it or uh made it as backups um 
you know, to, to win with those type of guys maybe would be like, hey, he did help this this team kind of turn it around or he worked pretty well with these guys um, with, with like coming in already, I think, two weeks into the XFL season. So that's – I don't think it would be out of the question. Either way, it's just been – tough to see the downfall of Carson Wentz obviously you know got benched for Jalen Hurts then traded by the Eagles to the Colts traded by the Colts after one season to the Commanders and now cut by the Commanders so now let's get back to what I played the clip to open this segment Jordan Poyer talking about some of the factors that would contribute into his decision this free agency maybe go somewhere where the state doesn't take uh, half your money somewhere where you see the sun maybe more than a couple times a week which I is, see the sun enough yeah, up here that's an unfair criticism yeah. sure Buffalo doesn't have the best weather particularly in the winter time but Buffalo has some of the best summers around man jeez I'm sorry your frail body cannot handle the cold <laughs> like Dude, we see the sun enough. I, 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 sometimes we even like it when the sun doesn't show up because I gotta admit our summers are hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, you can't judge us on our sun time. If you really wanted that, why did you come here in the first place? Um, but taxes are a huge part in any player's contract, and that's why it somewhat sucks being in New York. I mean, taxes are just. One of the highest in the country. We're not like Texas or Florida where we have like low state income tax or no state income tax. Um, And it it really sucks. Same from a guy who works here uh, in New York. You know, it even sucks then. So I I understand maybe I'm not losing uh, half of my my paycheck over it. And maybe you're uh, exaggerating it too much, Jordan, but you know. Uh, you may have learned that from your your girlfriend slash wife. Uh, I don't remember which she is, but tr- Twitter Twitter warrior Rachel Bush. You know, uh, we've talked about her enough times on this show. Joe, Joe, if Joe if Joe is here, he would probably go on another rant. Uh, that you know, Rachel Bush uh, trained Jordan Poyer on the exaggeration uh, uh, part of talking, um, but. You know, if he if he doesn't want to stay here, good rains, goodbye. Okay, you don't want to be here no more. We don't have enough money. Okay, I I understand. He, you you've been great. I'm not I'm not saying you've had a horrible career here. I'm not saying you weren't a big help here. I'm not saying that you weren't one of the most respected players out here. But don't try to make it sound like we're like. New York is such a bad place and Buffalo is such a bad place just because we have high taxes and we don't see the sun every other week. Great. Like he couldn't even butt out. Uh, you know, what's funny What I got from that interview too, the clip, he never said it's not the team, not the fans. He, he was about to, but he stopped. He kind of stopped himself. So is it partially the fan base? I mean, does he not like Bill's Mafia as much? Maybe it leads on. Or, you know, does he want to go someplace that has more respectful, you know, you know, maybe like not jumping through table fans? Uh, <laughs> that's that's definitely a question that, you know, you have to put into play just because of that clip. Um, it just hurts, man. I tell you it what. It does. It does. It, it's never good to see a player that helped you so much 
here, you know, especially after just being on and up for only about five years now. And to see, you know, the Bills finally have to play around with the cap and make sure that we can keep a, a good centered team here still. Uh, it, it's hard to see good players walk, but that's how the NFL works. And who knows? Who knows? Uh, Triple B's always got tricks up his sleeve, but right. it, it, it sounds pretty much like Bean has talked to him and his agent and saying, I don't think we can keep you here. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Is some of these comments make it sound like a foregone conclusion that he yeah. won't be with the team next year, which I kind of expected because he was going to want a lot of money, and we're already paying a lot of players a lot of money, and it just doesn't make sense to, you know, re up. I think a thirty-two-year-old safety when you've got you know other guys that Christian those funds Benford would probably be better allocated to, like a Tremaine Edmonds, but uh, it still hurts nonetheless because he's been great during his time here, been a warrior. I mean, just look at oh, you know, the Kansas City game where he drove, you know, how many, 14 hours because he couldn't fly with the collapsed lung or whatever. Yep. I mean, guy's just an absolute warrior. He's been tremendous for the time he's been here. I just hope he doesn't go to Miami. That's what it sounded like to me if you read into it because well, talking about the warm weather, he talked on that on that podcast how he was going to, you know, attend to his birthday party, which is coming up soon. And Mike um, McDaniels yep, is going to be there. Yep. Talking up Mike McDaniel, going back to their time in Cleveland. They spent some time in Cleveland together, although Poyer said he probably doesn't even remember me on that team because when Poyer was in Cleveland, obviously, you know, he was scraping to get by. He wasn't the all-pro caliber safety that he is today, but gosh, I just, I don't know if I could handle that seeing Poyer on the, although in fairness, that would be a dirty Dolphins secondary. You have Xavier Howard, maybe Byron Jones. I don't know. There's some, uh, Something up in the air there. I mean, the guy made it sound like he was retiring, but I guess he hasn't officially retired yet. But then to have a safety duo of Javon Holland and Jordan Poyer, that would be that would hurt my soul as a Bills fan. But boy, just as a football fan, that would be a really nice secondary. I uh, yeah, I mean, it would be a, a dangerous, healthy secondary. That is a hundred percent right. Um, but, you know, you, you look at players who have went to Miami after their time with the Bills. Thurman Thomas, at the end of his career, you know, just he, he thought he had it, and he didn't. Uh, and he learned that pretty well. Uh, you know, another one I like to bring up is Chris Hogan, uh, just because it's Chris Hogan. But, you know, that Chris Hogan was never really a great player, even though he was pretty decent for – the Bills and the Patriots, of course. Um, and then it, if you really want to go to Miami, and it would bring up the, the rivalry again, and I would be for it, um, you know, even more. Um, but, you know, you, you might be making the biggest mistake of your life by going from the Bills to Miami based on past history. Yeah. Give Josh Allen the opportunity to carve him up two times a season, am I right? Exactly. You got Vic Fangio as the new defensive coordinator down there, and Josh Allen, small sample size, only two games, but he has had his way with uh, Vic Fangio coach defenses, so you get that going for us. But only time will tell uh, what happens with Jordan Poyer. Now, with these last three to five minutes here, Dan, 
I want it all on you. You know, you're the MLB guy here. There's been some MLB things going down. Manny Machado got a massive contract extension and some other things going on too. So, Dan, the floor is all yours. Give us our uh, our dose of MLB for the day here. Yeah, of course. Uh, Manny Machado came out and said, hey, I'm opting out of my contract at the end of the year. And it was a huge contract. It was one of the first $300 million contracts in the MLB. Um, and... To hear him leaving, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, and San Diego went, no, 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 no. You're not leaving. You're signing another contract. Uh, so he's getting paid a little bit more uh, just to not opt out uh, of his contract anymore. Uh, it was 11 years, $350 million, uh, for that contract, if anybody's wondering. Um, and spring training has officially begun. So... A lot of young guys, a lot of prospects are being called up. And you also see a lot of older guys with new teams uh, make their debuts. And, you know, we also see the new rules come into effect with the bigger bags, the pitch clock, and um, the uh, hitter's box time. And um, I, I, I have bookmark here. Um, one of the games during spring training, got called as a tie due to the new rules. Uh, it was bottom of the ninth tie game between Boston and Atlanta. Uh, bases loaded on full count, which is 3-2, to two. Uh, you know, which is always the big dream scenario in any, any game. And the batter did not get set in the batter's box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock. So the umpire automatically called a strike the at-bat is over, the inning is over, and they go into uh, extra uh, extra innings. So it, it's interesting to see how these new rules are going to come into play, especially with these big moments, because this is always the, the, the drama about the MLB. But the other thing about the MLB that's been complained, out, uh, complained about year in, year out, is the time. You know, why Why would you want to sit and watch, uh, uh, like, a four-hour game? Mm -hmm. You know, mostly the NFL is three hours, uh, NBA's about two, NHL's about two. So, you know, you really got to bring that down if you want to, like, keep keeping up with um, the generations. And last year, the average uh, MLB game was three hours and seven minutes. And... Really, Saturday was the first time we really got to see all most of the teams at it. So you really got a good, um, good points about you know the timing. Uh, the longest game on that Saturday was three hours and six minutes. The shortest game was two hours and fifteen. That is a huge drop down to where it would be, and you know that's been complained about year in and year out. Yeah. So that means. More more hits, more strikeouts, um, less time to mess around. It is more like we're going to give you the content as fast as we can so you can keep on feeling like you're involved um, and, and not like it takes forever and it's slow moving. So right now in spring training, it's working. Uh, regular season doesn't start until April, uh, I believe, is opening day. I could be wrong on that date, but... It's exciting to see all these new guys um, 
you know, all these new guys coming out, all the new rules being in play. Um, I, I bet Frank has his own ideas on it just because he's also a big MLB guy. Um, you know, he's a Rays fan. I'm a Yankees fan. Joe's the Yankees fan. Evans are like resident Toronto fan. Tanner, I don't know where you are, but please don't um, pick Boston, the armpit ooh. of America. Uh, um, you know what? I, if I had to pick an MLB team to have an allegiance to, it would be the Red Sox because a wow. buddy, buddy of mine is a Red Sox fan, okay. and we went down to a, we went down to Camden Yards a couple of years ago for his birthday, and that was my first ever baseball game, and they had Jackie Bradley Jr. at the time, who's my favorite right. player in the MLB. So if I had to pick an allegiance, it would be Boston. That's the one exception. Generally, all throughout, I think Boston is the armpit of America as far as sports are concerned. Right. Because obviously, Patriots. <laughs> Um, Boston Bruins, Celtics, uh, Bruins, uh, but the Red Sox, I'm fine with the Red Sox. That's the only exception I can make for Boston sports. I'm sorry to break your heart there, Dan, but if I had to pick an allegiance for an MLB team, it would be the Red Sox or whatever team JBJ's on. So really, I I may need to convince Joe here to uh, root for Baltimore. Because if we do that, we actually have the whole AL East in the <laughs> it, it would be in the studio at the same time, uh, which would be a, a funny thing. But that's basically the uh, MLB update for at least this week. Um, you know, maybe more will come out about you know the new rules as we see more of it. But that's as far as it goes. But I I want to head it back to the NFL All right. and. Who doesn't love drinking? You know, I can't drink, so I I can't comment on that. But oh, I can. <laughs> you can. Uh, you know, and bar tra- uh, backtrack, uh, B A C uh, track. Uh, they're yeah, basic blood alcohol content, right? Uh, they took uh, breathalyzer data uh, that used their app. Uh, it's anonymous, of course, but it, it basically gave a idea of how drunk fans are at games and could you guess who the number one team is tanner who 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 has the most drunk fans oh man well i know obviously bills fans are some party animals so i want to say they're up there somewhere but then again i got you got to think about like the on-field factor like a team like the texans i feel like you have to be inebriated to watch the on-field product that the houston texans provide you cannot watch that you know sober and have a good time at the same time so i want to say it's them but then again how many like really texans fans are there so <laughs> oh man, this is a tough one. It could even be a team like Green Bay, maybe like the Packers, having you know kind of a down season, and you know Wisconsin. They are a, a brewing state there. Yep, that's mm. that oh, is man. what they're known for. And they kind of had a down year this year, so there might be a little more incentive to drink. Even though you know it's always fun to watch Aaron Rodgers, but the team as a whole was not that fun to watch this year. Um, you know what? I think I just talked myself into it. I'm gonna go with the Pack. Yeah, no, you should have stayed with your roots here, buddy. The Bills. It's the Bills. At .076%. uh, Second place is Detroit and (laughs) Philadelphia. And then uh, third is, or fourth technically, is Cleveland and then Arizona. Hmm. And then the least drinking uh, fans in the NFL are Cincinnati, uh, who are the least, then Tennessee, New Orleans, and the Giants. 
New Orleans. That's surprising because New Orleans kind of like a, a party city. So yeah. um, that's surprising to me. Gosh, I wish I would have stayed. You're right. I should have stuck with my gut. Your gut's never wrong. Stick with it because more out of times, more times than not, it is right. All right. It's four o'clock. We got to get the heck up on out of here. But before we do so, Dan, drop your socials. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital W-E-N-Y. You can find me also on Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000 and on IG at uh, Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Dan, as always, it's a pleasure going to battle with you, my friend. <laughs> and this is Tan signing off for both us, Tan and Dan. We will see you in the next one. Have a great day.